Moved to overcome the trauma of his youth, he attempts to build the perfect life. He finds success as a hip-hop artist, then as a television star, next as one of the biggest movie stars of all time. His power to draw an audience is undeniable, but will the push to perfection ruin his dreams? The star, Willard Carroll Smith II. The book, Will, by Will Smith. And you're listening to Lit Society. Let's, Let's get, get lit! lit. This is Alexis. And this is Kari. And you're listening to Lit Society, a podcast about books and drama. Can you believe it, Kari? We finished a second season. I don't believe it. This isn't happening. We've been doing this for two years. We are podcasters. Yeah, I think that we could find, (laughs) I could comfortably say, yeah, I'm a podcaster. (laughs) I do this. Okay, I do this. Yeah, it's been wonderful. I have to say, talking about books with you every week and our friendship (laughs) being preserved has been a feat. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love doing business with you. It's awesome. Yeah, it's been great. It's been definitely a memorable uh, two years. And, you know, this year we created 41 episodes. 41. Yeah. 41 41 books. Ooh, child. And we read books in addition to the books we feature on the show. It's too much. Yeah. So that's just um, actual recordings based on our books. So, you know, of course, that includes some two-parters. But still, that's 41 episodes. Yeah. Jane Eyre. Mm Mm-hmm. Another two-parter. We did a few. Yep. We did a few. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This year. You know, our shortest episode this year was 50 Minutes. Do you know which episode that was? Oh, I bet it was a baby book. Was that uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? No way, ma'am. No way. Which book was it? Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. Part Part two. two. Okay. That Mm -hmm. makes sense. And the longest episode was one hour and 51 minutes. Do you know which one that that was? One of the Jurassic Parks. I can stop talking about that. That was a close (laughs) second. That's a a good book. Yeah, it's a good one. But what was the longest? Mm, Cast. No, actually, it was the autobiography of Malcolm X by oh, Alex Haley. Book. Okay. So, yeah, just a little stats for us this year. I don't want to leave that out. But, you know, each week we select a theme to discuss inspired by the book that we're reading. And this week's theme, <laughs> is it a song or a movie? <laughs> <laughs> I'm suffering from some jet lag. I had a glass of wine. I didn't know how I was going to make it through this episode. And you gave me just what I need. So you're going to put me on the spot. Yeah, you're going to have me it. looking like a fool in front of our friends. These are our friends now. It's fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not scared. Uh-huh. I ain't scared I, of you. So listen, listen, <laughs> listen. It's about Will Smith. I can and do it. <laughs> I felt like these are like super easy I'm not the biggest Will Smith fan, but I watch his movies. I remember that month uh, we couldn't stop you from singing "Boom, Shake, Shake, Shake the Room." I, I don't know it. I don't know what you're talking about. Boom! 
gangster, straight gangster music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And moving right along to our little oh quiz for you. Okay. Shake, shake, shake. Audience, I don't know what she's talking that about. That song so. probably made like $20 million. Who cares what I think? Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Here you go. So <laughs> I am going to give you. Three to five words. And from those words, you have to determine one, is it a book, excuse me, a song or a movie? And two, what is the name of said song or movie? I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. (laughs) Ready, boss. Are you ready? The most. Okay. The first. War. Religion. Athlete. Is it a book or a movie? That's a movie. I'm sorry, a movie or a song. Sorry. Is it, oh, okay. It's what's a movie. The, what's the movie? I don't know. <laughs> it's a Will Smith movie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. I will introduce this by saying they are all movies and songs with Will Smith involved. I haven't seen it, but I'm going to guess Ali because he says athlete. Yes, 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 yes. Very good, very good. Mm -hmm. I'll be paying attention. And see, I wanted to select the most popular of his stuff. So this should be easy for you. (laughs) Okay. Okay, let's go on and we'll do another. Argue. Ma. Close. Argue mall, like M-A-W? M-A-L-L, mall. Argue mall, close. In that order? That's just the words. They don't have a particular (laughs) order. So that is a song. Correct. Summertime by Will Smith. No. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. (laughs) Argue mall? Mm-hmm. Small. I can give you another word if you'd like. <laughs> yeah. Kids. <laughs> Kids. <clears throat> Kids, the parents just don't understand. That era of rap. <laughs> can I just say awesome? I love it. <laughs> it was a vibe. It was what started it all. So no diss. It's just that's great. <laughs> that's great. Yes, yes, it was great. It was a different time. <laughs> hey, no diss. That's great. Okay. <laughs> Here's another one. Mm. <sighs> Bright light, impending doom, alien. Okay, so that's a movie and that's Independence Day. And <gasps> that's Men in Black. Yeah. <laughs> Are you keeping score? I get a quarter of a point. Yeah, you get a quarter of a point. <laughs> I'm not actually, That's but I'll one of mark them. your ones. 
Because <laughs> that can go either way, right? But it's listed yeah. as a song right here. So that's you were one wrong. Of at least, uh, that's one of at least three of his alien movies. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I figured that might be a challenge. A challenge. Okay. Here's one. Hmm. Okay. Con Man. Harvard. New York. That's a movie, and I only know it because of this book. It's Six Degrees of Separation. Yeah, you got it. Hey, I pay attention. I thought you were going to get caught on that one. <laughs> but the words, I guess, were just a little too easy. On the nose. I love it. Okay. All right. <laughs> and here we go. Hot. Groove. Okay, that's Summertime by Will Smith. This is a Groove slightly transformed. Just a little break of the norm. Oh, hip hop. Nah, no joke. That song still goes. <laughs> yeah, my mom said that's her favorite song. Come on, it's the vibe. It is oh, definitely. Yeah, when that no. come on, that is like everything. It's Just, pure happiness. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Okay. All right. So you Mom got to love rap too. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got two more. Two more. Okay. Two more. Oh, I'm killing it. <laughs> Advisor. <laughs> well, this is a movie. Dreams. <laughs> Dreams. <laughs> Come on. Do you know it with that one clue? <laughs> what rhyme with advisor? I was dipping my visor, looked to my advisor, sitting on the riser. I said, hey, I got the shot from Pfizer. <laughs> oh, here how about a shot from Pfizer? Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, Go ahead. Okay. What you say now? Okay. So you you got this <laughs> the, one. That's then. the pursuit of happiness. No. Oh, well, I ain't never seen it. I own that movie. I'm gonna watch it. What I know you never good. saw it? <laughs> no, it's a, okay. Because I know it's like got some sadness, and Milwaukee is in it. I don't know. It's a little too close to home. But um, okay. let's see. Advisor. That's Independence Day. No. Oh, what is it? I'm gonna give that you. That was a- the only movies he was in. <laughs> <laughs> Not true. My second um, word was dreams. I think all my other clues are going to give it away. So give, it, give me those clues. We'll see. Dates. Single hmm. men. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, single men. Yeah. Date. Oh, hitch. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and their final one good. for okay. a gold star. Yes. <laughs> Space. Independence Day. <laughs> <laughs> it's a movie. It's Independence Day. Because him and Jeff Goldblum was looking good. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. Well, you uh, did it. I, it was, um, yeah. I was like, these are like real. God, they're so they were his most popular movies. So well, you're looking at the number one Will Smith fan over here. <laughs> um, okay, sure, sure, sure. 
Let's take a quick break before we discuss the authors in context. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. All right. you know right now all I got is the book summary don't ask me nothing else (laughs) okay it's your world squirrel (laughs) I I was gonna say our book this week is an autobiography did you have any to share about our co-author no okay then I won't ask (laughs) did you you got anything what's his name Mark Manson yeah, I didn't. I wasn't going to since I thought you might. So, <laughs> is he like an advisor, like a spiritual guide, leader, philosopher type of guy? No, I think you know they always get these stars aren't writers, so they just get that extra support. Oh, you know, okay, I to get make that. Make sure this stuff come out. <clears throat> the Alex Haley to Will's Malcolm X. Yes, yes. Okay, yes. fine. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Okay, well, why don't you give us a brief synopsis? Before we jump into our deep dive, this is a book about Will Smith and his life. So, Alexis, what were your first thoughts of Will by Will Smith? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I have never. Okay. All right. It's the end of the season. You know, your senior year, you just phone it in. (laughs) Or is that just me? No, that that (laughs) is true. But I I wasn't thinking this was a senior year. But okay, sure. Well, I was excited to kind of hear his story. Um, So I was looking forward to, I didn't buy the book. I just listened to it. So um, I was kind of looking forward to it. Who do you think would enjoy reading this book? Oh, well, you bought the book. You bought the audio version. That doesn't count to me. You're one of those people. (laughs) Okay, so I think that if you're a fan of Will Smith, you'll love this book. But also if you love the type of motivational speaking, that tells you everything is lined up for you to succeed. All you have to do is act. If you love those books, if you love the secret, um, the alchemist, then you'll, this will fit right into your repertoire. Okay. Sounds good. Well, are you ready to take that deep dive full of all the spoilers? Or are you going to save some pivotal moments for our readers? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) So this is an autobiography. I'm going to spoil it for you, I guess. But the cool thing about autobiographies is that everyone who reads it will get something else out of it. I feel that way with every autobiography we read. So there are going to be things I don't touch on. Perhaps you will read the same quote and get something totally different than what I got. So, um, yeah, we're no holds barred, but you know, a warning when you read it, you may get something different from this book. So I'm going all in. Okay. Sounds good. Let's get started. Part one, the family. So Will starts his book, not with the predictable. No, (laughs) he starts with, Hey reader, thank you for buying my book. I want to tell you about my life and the most Important lesson I learned, or one of the most, is about the wall. Now, Will's father assigned his sons, Will and Will's brother, the task of building, quote unquote, the wall, Uh, mixing the concrete and building it brick by brick. This was a wall, a very physical, literal wall in Will's dad's business. So Will explains it like if you know anything about concrete and building walls, this was 
stupid hard for no reason. They were actually, they was up there just the Israelites and Pharaoh <laughs> building this wall for real for yeah. the dad working weekends, holidays, vacations. Like their father, Will and his brother never took a day off. His dad was like, I'm working, you working. No matter the weather, no matter how they felt, they were like, hey, I'm sad today. B- b- build that sad wall <laughs> is what you're going to do. <laughs> that was the daddy, okay? And so Will and his brother was like, this is impossible. We's babies. How are we going to build a whole wall? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that was the lesson. His dad came over and he says, stop thinking about the wall. There is no wall. There are only bricks. Your job is to build the bricks. So... This is a really great lesson, I believe, in that the wall, when you think of it like that, is impossible. The brick, building one brick, is almost easy. And that means the entire job is easy. He also speaks about how naming your children quite possibly leads to who they become. And his parents named him Will, which also means the ability to continue despite adversity. So that's the first lesson Will is trying to share with us when he believes he learned, which is that uh, don't think about the wall. Think about the bricks. Moving on. So Will's father, like many people's dads, uh, was a hero in his eyes. And he once watched his hero punch his mother in the head so hard that Will's mother spit blood. Think about that. That's like really traumatic. Just seeing someone you love get hit. Anybody who went to high school know what that's like. You probably <laughs> if someone you was friends with, like, uh uh-uh, you ain't gonna be hitting the person that shared their crackers with me at lunch. We I all in. <laughs> I don't I don't think you even have to get to high school. You you can do that in middle school. Right. No one wants to see someone they love be abused in any way, but your mother. No one, no one. That's, of course, going to affect um, someone for the rest of their life. That's a moment you'll never forget. Every action since that moment for Will has been an apology to his mother, because although he wasn't a grown man when he watched it happen, he thought in that moment he should have protected her and he was a coward for not doing so. Growing up, Will's father was tough, a rebel, a a headache for Will's grandparents. So before Will was even born, Will's father, when he was um, a kid, was like, you know, just hard to manage, hard to train. Um, His grandparents saved up and sent him to like an agricultural boarding school. Wow. They was basically trying to scare him straight through labor, which is something a lot of black parents, you know, everybody's sending their kids to the South. Oh, that's true. Tractors and cows. Ah, (laughs) no, kids just be bad (laughs) on the farm. (laughs) It's hard work. It's hard. It is hard hard work. work. And that can help kids focus, I guess. Whatever. It ain't none of my business. I ain't got kids. So Will's dad was like, to get away from all this farm stuff, I'm going to enroll in the military. But the thing is, he got to the military and what Alexis, he loved it. He (laughs) loved it. He was like, y'all tough, y'all mean, just like me. Y'all got structure, y'all got orders. It's bells, whistles, fights, guns. I love it here. That so, reminds me that um, children need structure. Now this is true, yeah. Well, um, the thing about Will's dad that I love is no one could force him up at the crack of dawn because he was already up. So mm-hmm. he he already was so regimented. <clears throat> I think that's the correct word. In, mm-hmm. in his personal schedule, 
that the military was just it existed around what he already had going on for himself. Um, But he was thrown out of the military one day for getting drunk. And Will says lighting up the barrack with his gun. So he got he was mad. Someone had wronged him. He got drunk. And then he like, I'm guessing, fired off his firearm. Mm -hmm. Yep. No one got hurt, fortunately seriously fortunately but he was sent home and he wasn't even um dishonorably discharged they was just like you know bye come back never okay (laughs) and so he left but that hurt him because he was like I fit here and now Mm -hmm. I don't have anywhere to fit so growing up uh Will's mother on the other hand cared only about education she was always having her own money her own plan she was one of the highest educated black women in the area she married young divorced young with one daughter and later she met Will's dad at a party he was good looking funny and a master storyteller she was his opposite in like that she was demure in nature and had a like control over her emotions Um, And he was street smart where she was book smart. But they were both similar in weird ways, Will explains. First of all, they both had mothers who worked night shift as nurses. One was named Helen. The other was named Ellen. Isn't that insane? Wow. (laughs) Both married young and divorced early. (laughs) And both had one daughter from their first marriage that they had named Pam. (laughs) So he said that's like the most bizarre consequences. They both met each other with this one daughter named Pam. Um, So anyway, the two became a team romantically and in business. Will Sr. started a business repairing heaters and he was so smart because he realized that after repairing the heater, he'd have to test it. And that meant free heat for his family. So he turned off the heat at his house and he was like, the (laughs) business is going to bring heat um, for us and food on the table. Um, He always had enough heat circulating for his family. and He was getting paid for it. He saved up and bought the family a home. Will Smith, the second, was raised in a two parent household in a good neighborhood with a business owning father and college educated mother. And this background would later be used against him by hip hop heads and creators who saw him as not real or saw him as like the bubblegum rapper. You know, stupid people like me that was teasing him, although we'd be listening to his music like a smooth, slightly transform. You know, front, p- posing, just terrible people. So Will would later hate his reputation for um, as like a bubblegum rapper for calling into question the one problem that always... Not problem. What am I trying to say? The one thing that always rattled his confidence. You remember what that was? Mm-hmm, his cowardice. Yeah, he saw himself as a coward. So you say I'm a, I'm a bubblegum rapper. That means you don't think I'm brave. And mm-hmm. deep down, he always felt like a coward. Growing up, everyone in his family had hands. OK, they put the paws on you. Except Will. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, in a very not funny way, his father would slap his mother and she'd let him know it would take more than a beating to break me. So you can hit me all day. That don't make you a man. And that don't make me scared of you. Oh, I just love her. Oh, that's in the chill down my back. Anyway, his sister Pam would be like, who messed with you, Will? Go outside and beat up the neighborhood. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> he was like, it was a sad day when she went to college. <laughs> and then even the little brother would stand up to the dad with such courage that the dad later left the little brother alone. So Will is the older brother. You know, yeah. he's he sees himself as the protector of the family. And the little brother's so tough that the dad, like, you ain't even worth it. <laughs> Cause the, the boy was like, You can beat me to the ground. I'm not gonna cry. I'm not gonna cry. 
The dad was like, well, I guess I won't kill you today. So, <laughs> but Will was not just um, scared, but eager to please. And I want to stop here because a child who is eager to please is very vulnerable. However, mm-hmm. that characteristic is so innate in a lot of quote unquote good children. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 A child that doesn't stand up for himself, that doesn't talk back. A child that um, does whatever any adult tells them to do is so vulnerable in the world, but is often so praised for being the good child. Mm-hmm. And um, if you have the correct personality for for this, it can lead to a very pleasing way about you, like where you just want to please you, whatever you got to do, you'll please other people. Um, am I right on that from what you I have agree. seen? Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. From his grandmother, though, Will learned what it meant to be good. Um, Gigi, as he calls her, was a woman who actively strived to walk in faith. So she was a religious woman, but she demonstrated the love of God or at least attempted to to her family and strangers. Um, she never spoke about her son-in-law poorly in front of her grandchildren, even though he abused her daughter. Mm. Um, Will remembers a homeless woman walking down the street and Gigi going, hey, baby, come here. And Will's like, oh, grandma, she's, <laughs> what are you doing? Baby, no. And Gigi she was like, make us <laughs> Gigi was like, what is your name? And for someone that spends their entire day without dignity to be asked their name is can be huge. I could imagine that. Well, Gigi went farther, brought the woman in, bathed her herself. Um, the one Gigi offered the woman her clothes, and the woman was like, This is too much. This is too much. And Gigi was like, I want you to remember something. God loves you. Like you mm-hmm. are loved, you are valuable. Um, so that part really warmed my heart. Yeah. What an, another thing she said about her is that she she didn't pull f- food out the refrigerator. She prepared her a meal instead yeah. of just giving her leftovers or whatever. So yeah, it was a very touching moment there. Yeah, demonstration of love. Through Gigi, Will learned that life could be beautiful. His cousin, Paul, on the other hand, introduced him to hip hop. So Paul was like this big country tough man. He knew martial arts. He was like, you know, like the cool, tough cousin. Yep. The cool, tough cousin from out of town. Yes. Yeah. And everybody, everybody, <laughs> everybody had know. one. Man, mm-hmm. we love them cousins because they make you think you can just talk to anybody crazy. Because yes, what you going to do, my back. cousin from out of town here. My cousin like they gonna... from out of town. That's a whole expression in the community. My but cousin the... from out of town. You I ain't gonna say because be- my cousin from out of town. But the thing is, Alexis, <laughs> that cousin's gonna go back into the town they came from, and you gonna be the there point. where everybody talks slick to. Why don't we think about that? <laughs> because well, anyway. at the time we be children, and then we don't even be thinking <laughs> mm-hmm. about that. I was a little too old doing that. But anyway, uh, <laughs> and I got beat up. So <laughs> lesson learned: keep your mouth closed. <laughs> so anyway, um. So Paul introduced Will to hip hop. Will bought a composition notebook and was writing nonstop. And this goes back to like the 10,000 hours of Malcolm Gladwell, mm-hmm. although uh, Will doesn't mention it. He put a lot of practice in, a lot of thought into his rhymes. Um, and it was like consuming him. He he wanted to emulate his hip hop heroes. 
And at the time, his writing was like full of profanity. Well, his grandma found his notebook. And can I tell you, I so um, related to this because this happened to me once. I was not writing with profanity. No. okay. But I was a child writing very, uh, very like angry black poems. (laughs) As a child, you was very militant poetry. From a child, someone found it and everyone was scared. (laughs) Like, what's wrong with you, though? Why are you so mad? (laughs) And for real, why was I so mad? Yes. (laughs) So grandma, Gigi, found Will's notebook and wrote a note for him in the inside cover. And I love this. He read it. And from that moment on, didn't use profanity in his rhymes. And the note was really simple. Like, baby, um... You know, when you got a brain in between your ears, you can say what you mean. You don't have to use these words, something like that. Well, you know. he grew out of that. No, he stopped. You. Oh, well, in his rhymes, he doesn't use profanity. <laughs> right. In his rhymes, he doesn't use profanity. So Will have been writing for months and was killing the freestyle sessions at school. Did your school have freestyle sessions? I don't remember. I wasn't Man, part it of was school a life. Big deal at my school. Really? And they were good. Yes, yes, yes. I wasn't so, in school, so <laughs> Oh yeah, you wasn't there. Well, girl, when when I went, they was there and they was rhyming and they were good. At in the lunchroom, so, right? Um in the yeah, or at recess. Or yeah. outside. Yep. Mm-hmm. That makes and sense. And as an adult, I could probably listen back on those rhymes like, this is really terrible and rudimentary. But as a child, I was like, Wow, you rhyme son and done. You was a genius. <laughs> For Will, some kids in his grade were clever, but no one was funnier than him. And being funny won him the room every time because he could be like, oh, I forget the rhyme. He uh, gave an example, but he was like, you know, it's like you went to your uh, if you walk into a freestyle with some high water pants on oh. <laughs> and he'd be like, you know, it looked like you went to a party and your pants got high and the whole room go crazy. You won. You won the battle. Mm-hmm. So he would practice his delivery and punchlines with military focus. And by this time, Will's father had hit Will's mom for the last time. She moved out, staying with her mother, Gigi, but moved back in much, much later. Will's father never laid another hand on his mom. So if they fought or not, he made sure never to touch her past that point. So Will doesn't know what kind of conversation went on between them. But his mom was hit for the last time, even when she came back. Okay, that's the family, you guys. Part two, friends. For two years, Will and his friend Reddy Rock have been DJing for free for a friend. Until one night, she got someone new and didn't even tell him first. <laughs> Who was that new guy? DJ Jazzy Jeff. Jeff Towns. Okay. Can I tell you that Jeff Towns is legendary? Oh, I'm not telling you, Alexis. I oh, know okay. you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there are DJs and then there are like artists. And whatever you think of the medium, he has put in the work and mm-hmm. he has really made it in our form. I remember being in Spain and he was headlining some show. And this was like three years ago. And we was like, that's DJ Jazzy Jeff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. he's yeah. headlining a whole show in Spain. Yes, because other countries tend to appreciate our artwork a little more. But anyway, so that's Jazzy Jeff. And he was the one that was going to be DJing. Ready 
Rock and Will decided that they was going to battle this new guy because he was coming to our territory. You don't get to come to our territory. This is our side of Philly. Now, mind so. you, it wasn't like a, a planned thing. This was a woman's <laughs> party and they just going to show up and just <laughs> battle. That's not hot, right? Though, for like a party? Like, yeah. I don't know. It sounds pretty fun. So, Jeffrey, just a little bit of background on him, grew up in a musical family. His father emceed for Count Basie. His brothers played in bands and his sisters were always singing. At 15, he was diagnosed with cancer, but beat the disease after many painful and difficult treatments. But this made his relationship in the family one of a protectee. His mother was, you know, understandably always protective and no doubt other members of his family also. He earned the name Jazzy from his ability to smoothly mix jazz uh, with disco and hip hop. And at this time, the DJ was the star of the show. The rapper was like the backup, you know, everybody came to see you mix, you know, the crowd that night when Jazzy Jeff was there, um, loved them. They played off of each other really well yeah, their artistry was pretty cool, but um, the guy, uh, what was his name? Ready Rock that was going to yeah. battle with him. He no showed, right? No. Oh, um, so Will was Ready Rock's rapper, and Jazzy Jeff had a rapper. Jazzy Jeff's rapper didn't show. Yeah, so that's why J- um, Will, Will was able to step in and work with Jazzy Jeff. So he didn't end up battling, but he ended up working with him, which yeah. their um, chemistry just sounded like it was immediately smooth. You know, right. Will Smith says that Jazzy Jeff was the first person he ever knew to outwork him. 14 to 18 hours a day. He was standing in front of the turntables mm. in his mama's basement. Jazzy Jeff was. So the battle, right? The pair traveled to New York for a DJ and MC battle. It was legit. All the top DJs and MCs were there to compete. Grandmaster Cass, Will's idol, won the MC battle. Hands down, it was easy. Jazzy Jeff, the kid from Philadelphia, still in high school, won the DJ battle with legendary DJs. He showed the crowd an evolution of the art form. No one ever forgot it. No one had ever seen it before. It was 1986. Eric B. and Rakim came to their room later to congratulate Jeff. Mm. No one really cared who Will Smith was. Will Smith spent that um, battle in the audience as he should have watching the master. Okay, his friend Jazzy Jeff win against all these adults. And Will's decision that night was clear. I am not going to college. Now, college was everything to his mother. So he was really going to have a fight in front of him if he wasn't going to go to college. You're no better than the five people you spend the most time with is a philosophy Will follows. And he's thankful to have around him and to have always had around him people who have his back, he says. So because he owned a fax machine, a man named JL became their manager. So he met Jazzy Jeff one (laughs) fateful night. Then JL became their manager, stayed his manager for his life, but took the job seriously. He began examining their contracts right away. So at this point, they'd signed with a local wannabe named Dana. Dana, right? Mm -hmm, A guy named Dana. Dana Yeah. And Jana, Jana, JL looked through the contract that they had with Dana and called a lawyer like and then Dana was or excuse me, JL was like, yo, Will, Jazzy, have y'all did y'all read this contract before you signed it? 
And Jeff was, they looked at each other and Jazzy Jeff was like, nah, why? What does it say? <laughs> and JL responded, it says y'all stupid. <laughs> <laughs> he was always calling them stupid because yeah, they were stupid. Because they were stupid. It was justified. <laughs> So now we see a little uprise on their part, their um, meteoric uprise. So um, they met, they're making music together. Jazzy Jeff is the award winning artist. Will is his rapper and Will is um, unrelentless in his practicing. Right. Right. He is constantly practicing, constantly sharpening his art. Part three, the dream. An education had saved his mother's life and she was determined to see all her her children attend college. To his credit, Will's father took days to hear both sides, going on long walks with his mother and long drives with Will. Why don't you want to go to college? Why do you want him to go to college? One evening, his father sat them both down in the kitchen and explained a compromise. One year. We will give you, Will, everything you need to succeed at this dream for one year. If it doesn't work out, You'll attend college. That worked for you. His mother, you know, didn't want that, but she was like, fine. And Will was like, yes, because a year is forever to a child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, in a year, I'll be like a huge star. So great. Um, but shoveling ice for his dad's ice business, his dad got an ice business now. Will began thinking, was he spitting in his mother's face, letting her down yet once again? And that guilt started seeping in like am I some way hurting my mom again letting her down again in life will I be bagging ice for my entire life then on the radio he hears it his voice their song parents just don't understand he begins giggling uncontrollably mm-hmm. and <laughs> um, like let that joy wash over him the joy of being right about himself So in this moment, he is forming a memory and he is saying, bet on me. If I bet on me, I can never go wrong. He had an entire month as a senior in high school with a hit radio on the record. And he like, no kid should ever be giving that amount of power. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) After graduation, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince went on tour, opening for two live crew and public enemy. And can I tell you the idea of these babies going on tour with these artists, just my heart just melt whose mom was allowing this to live okay I can't I can't I can't (laughs) so um you gonna sit your baby with Uncle Luke yes no never but the thing is they probably didn't know who they were yeah that's right because these is good Christian families Mm -hmm. and they just want their babies to succeed yep scary stuff So then it came the end of their relationship with Dana. Remember, that's the guy they signed their contract with, like some local wannabe upstart kind of guy. Um, It came when Russell Simmons had been trying to contact Will and Jeff. So this song is really gaining traction. But Dana felt threatened by Russell Simmons and wouldn't return his calls. When Will and Jeff found out, they were furious. And JL was like their manager now. Um, and saw it as a missed opportunity. He didn't feel threatened by Russell Simmons. He was like, this is, you know, onward and upward. So JL arranged for an um, international contract with Jive Records. And Dana received a one-time payout for maintaining the domestic contract. And Dana was like, this is an easy win. You handle all them 
you know, mm-hmm. uh, all the marketing overseas or whatever. And I got home base and I get a lump sum payout. However, Jive Records remastered DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince's first album and sold it as an international import into the U.S. And they had more money to back it. It was Dana's turn to be mad. Lawyers were called in and it was discovered that Will was 17 when he signed his contract with Dana. So that contract was invalid. Dana was furious, furious, but it was nothing he could do about it. He sat in front of Will's family's home with a gun. This is getting like serious. You know, he's a round the way guy. He, he is going to act out of emotion and no one's going to tell him differently. Mm-hmm. As Will hid behind the living room curtains, his father walked outside and had a conversation with Dana. He said, uh, who are you looking for? You looking for Will? OK, come on in. You can kill him if you want, but you're going to have to kill all of us because the whole family is here. Dana drove away. Mm. Again, Will's behind the curtains like, thank you, daddy. His cowardice so, <laughs> um, is rose Please, again. Where would you have been in that situation? Well, the, I wouldn't I'm, even be behind the curtains. Right. Y'all but crazy I'm saying here. that's what he felt like. He felt like his cowardice yes. rose again. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Well, weeks later, Will, Jeff and their team were in London recording a record for Jive. Jazzy Jeff had been a bad car accident back in the States, which left him in a cast from his foot to the top of his hip. During their six weeks in London, the cast became like too much for him. You know, they start to itch. He's like, you got to get this off of me. It was time for it to come off. But he was in (laughs) in England instead of the States because he didn't stay in the States like he was supposed to. to. He wanted the opportunity to fulfill his dreams. True, true. There you go. Mm -hmm. So by this time, they had hired a friend slash drug dealer slash uh, ex drug dealer (laughs) uh, slash bodyguard named Charlie Mack. Okay, so it's just Will, Charlie Mack and Jeff in the room. And Jeff is like, y'all got to get this cast off of me. So Will and Charlie Mack was like, sure, we could do it. Because Will's attitude is, if it's possible to do, I can do it. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) if it can be done, then I can do it. So um, dozens. Yeah, here I go. Give me your leg. I got it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Dozens of room service knives later, Will had Jeff soaking in a tub, a bathtub with the cast on. Okay. With the idea that this was soft. Huh? Plaster of Paris, right? Yes, he's acting like the cast made a paper mache. So he like soaking the tub, it'll soften up and we'll cut it easily. But the cast started swelling, of course. So Jeff is like, y'all really got to get this off or I'm going to lose my leg. JL walks in. OK, he's like the adult in the situation. <laughs> he looks at what's going it. on. <laughs> he looks at what's going on. and He is confused. Why is Jazzy Jeff in the bathtub? Why are all these knives on the floor? Because they kept breaking knives on the cast. It wasn't cutting them. Anyway, um, JL makes them take Jeff out of the bathtub because, of course, a cast should never soak in a bathtub. And he quickly removes the cast with the top of an aluminum can. Mm. He exits the room with one statement. What was it? I think Nisha? he said, y'all stupid. Y'all are stupid. <laughs> stupid. <Okay. laughs> they, they were needed dumb. protectors for real. <laughs> they, they were dumb on so many levels. Mm-hmm. But in the studio, they were scientists. Mm-hmm. The first rap album to earn a Grammy was theirs, although they boycotted the ceremony since the award show refused to televise its rap award. 
the most commercially successful genre of the year. They didn't see that as fair. Let's talk a little bit about Melanie now. Do you remember Melanie, Alexis? Can yeah, you tell us about her? Yeah, Melanie was a... I don't think she was in the same school, but he met her and he saw her and he fell in love with her and he decided that she was going to be his forever. So they started a relationship. At a very young age. In fact, she got kicked out of the house. He convinced his mom to let her move in with them for some time. Then she moved back in with her family. He expected to be with this girl for the long haul. Um, It turns out that while he's on tour being stupid, um, although he says he was turning away all the girls that wanted him, because he was in love with Melanie and I believe him. I believe him he, too, because he came yeah. from that household and mm-hmm. yeah, just because of he the, wanted to be better. He yeah. wanted to create an environment where he had one wife and children who were devoted to each other. Yeah. Everybody just making, filling each other with happiness, right. being successful in that way. So um, when, he, when he came back off a tour, he found out that Melanie had been unfaithful and it broke him. He was really sad. He sought comfort in shopping and illicit affairs. But then he went back to Melanie. So Will is out of control, right? Um, one day he starts crying literally to JL. And JL isn't somebody to show emotion. So when Will's crying, JL is like, I'm going to protect you forever because you need protecting. Like you're going to be <laughs> you're going to be someone who's back. I got for the rest of your life. Don't worry. So um, when they get back to the Bahamas to record their second album, they're unfocused. Will is still, you know, out of control. They're spending $10,000 a day, both him and Jazzy Jeff. And JL threatens to shut the entire operation down. But no one listening to him. Right. They got round punch. Okay. They got ladies. They got chicken wings. <laughs> and who? Who? Round punch and chicken wings. Come on now. I was looking for round punch. I was reading this like, man, this book won't be, make me want some round punch and chicken wings. Rum punch and anyway. chicken wings. <laughs> and then Will is like, we're the ones got the Grammy. You need to sit down because you work for us. And Jay, I was like, okay. okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I Not got in you. the defeating kind of okay, but the kind of I got you. Mm-hmm. So Will will never forget this moment. He was shirtless, <laughs> eating jerk chicken and drinking rum punch, spending $10,000 a day when his father walks into the room. The door opens, it opens wider, and then Will's dad walks in. Will's dad kicks everyone out except for Will and Jeff. Next, they were on a plane ride home. (laughs) So JL had saved the, so JL obviously called the dad and had saved Will and Jeff, at least their lives perhaps, but the album was already doomed. The downward spiral had begun. Y'all stupid. Was JL's response when learning that neither Will nor Jeff had paid their taxes. Come on now. But they were children, so they needed guidance. No, Alexis, come on. No, nope, so they Uncle were children. Sam, they needed guidance. That's all there is like to it. like 20-year-old children, but okay. Mm-hmm. And if you don't tell people, they don't they know. They won't know. Well, they knew. They were just putting it off until it didn't happen. <laughs> so Uncle Sam went through all their stuff and took what he was owed and a little more. Mm. And Will was now a rich and famous person that was neither rich nor famous. <laughs> <laughs> during one of the final pool games, during one of the final moments in his home, Melanie came downstairs. His girl that he had went back to, okay? That he never really forgave, but was still with. In front of all the guys there, and there were gangsters there and everything, she was looking amazing. 
He goes, where are you going? She goes, out. He goes, out where? And she left. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he waited for her taxi to pull up as she returned home and lit everything she owned on fire. Alexis, they haven't spoken since. He soon later spent a weekend in jail. Okay, his life is at rock bottom. Mm -hmm. He's dirt broke. He's lit this girl's stuff on fire. And he says, whatever we did to each other, she did not deserve the way I treated her. Okay. Then he found out that one of the gangsters he was hanging with was about to be brought down by the feds. The FBI was on their tail. So he met one of them privately and was like, can I have some money? <laughs> this part like got to me a little bit. He was like, hey, just so you know, the feds are coming. Also can I have some money. <laughs> yeah. So... After the feds told him, if you take any money from him, that's illegal. And you could go to jail with him. He was like, okay, got it. Hey, um, hey, gangster friend, can I have some money? I'm really poor. I just need something to get to LAX and get an apartment and, you know, just something to hold for a month. And the guy said, okay, I have $10,000 in my car. You can have it. So Will went to grab it and the guy wouldn't let it go. And he looks him in the eye. He goes, just so you know, you're no better than me. And Will was like, no, man, I know. He was like, no, I want you to remember this. Three days later, Will was in Los Angeles and that friend who gave him $10,000 was dead. Apparently, when the feds close in, everyone turns against each other. Mm-hmm. Part four, going Hollywood. So Will now has one Grammy Award, one hit record. It's really great, okay? And then one really, really bad record that no one cared about to the point where they were on stage and st- people's throwing stuff at them. So people really hated that second album. Sophomore albums, you know, they're hard. Um, sophomore so, books are the same, shoot. Sophomore books are the same. Um, also, sophomore years. It's just <laughs> hard doing stuff the second time. So <laughs> the second season of a podcast. So anyway, um, now he's going Hollywood. Will moved on by moving in with a woman named Tanya. She was smart. She had it together. After a few weeks of limbo living, she kicked him out. She said, okay, this was fun. Bye. <laughs> we still friends and everything, but you got to go live. And he was like, what am I supposed to do? You know, I got no, no career to fall on. She was like, go stand at the Arsenio Hall show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arsenio Hall, love you. Go stand at his show and try to meet people. Mm-hmm. And Will was like, this is stupid. But he went. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there he met Medina, the real Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and the man on whom the character is like loosely based. They chatted for three minutes and that three minute conversation with Medina led to a phone call with who? That's right, Alexis. Quincy Jones. Quincy Jones. That's right. That's right. Uh Be Quincy Jones. And that call with Quincy Jones led to a meeting with Quincy Jones in person during a party at the mogul's home. In the middle of the party, Quincy Jones announced that there was going to be an audition and everyone's looking around, including Will, like, oh, who's auditioning? And everyone's looking at Will and Will's like, why y'all looking at me? Mm-hmm. Okay? okay. Now, let's just follow his life so far. He's graduated from high school, went on tour with the two live crew and Public Enemy, released the second album, No One Liked It. And now he's standing in Quincy Jones's living room with heavy people, okay? I mean, like Michael Jackson and Oprah, okay? (laughs) (laughs) And he's a kid still. He's not even 25, I don't think. Mm -mm, mm -mm. 
And Quincy is saying, uh, dance. <laughs> Essentially. And so, uh, hmm, huh, right. In the middle of the party, Quincy is like, it's going to be an audition. And Will is like, I cannot do that. So Quincy sets him, takes him aside and is like, listen, everyone that needs to say yes to you is in this room right now. So what are you going to do? Quincy makes it clear that this is Will's shot, his opportunity. 20 minutes later and after his audition, the, Will, the room stands up and applauds. So Quincy begins ordering the lawyers in the room to action. And no, they weren't all his lawyers. <laughs> He's ordering other people's lawyers like Bob, Tom, do this, draw up this contract. Think long, think so, wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's 10 p.m. on a Wednesday. Um, and then Quincy is like, Will, do you have a lawyer? And Will's like, no, not at the party, Quincy. <laughs> and Quincy has a smart young lawyer called on the phone. That man is watching his daughter be born, but arrives to Quincy Jones's house within 20 minutes. Mm. That man is still Will's lawyer today. Mm. The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Here we go. As quickly as it sounds, it happened. Like this audition in the living room was like in a March. Mm -hmm. And that same year in August, the first episode was airing. The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air had some heavy hitters on it. So Will Smith, it's true, was not a trained actor, but he had around him a supporting cast of professionals. You have Alfonso Ribeiro, who... I mean, even as a little kid, was dancing in Michael Jackson videos. Right. He's been in the business for a very long time. Um, speaking of babies, Tatiana Ali mm -hmm. was um, a dancer, a singer. Even as a child, she had a private tutor throughout the show and then ex got accepted to Harvard um, when she was done with her tutelage. Mm hmm. Um, James Avery and Joseph Marcel, who are Shakespearean trained actors and Janet Hubert. What can we say about Jenny Hubert? He even um, admits that after she left, he says. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a choice of words. Um, the show's quality went down mm -hmm. and it's true. Jenna Hubert is an Alvin Ailey trained dancer. She's um, a true performer, um, an orator. She's an artist. So he has this perfect cast around him that's going to make him better. Remember how he's always saying, you're only as good as the people that you surround yourself with. Right. So, no, he didn't have the skills necessarily, but he was going to learn them. It was like he had been given a new family after hitting rock bottom. It was the best job ever again. Then he's called into an executive's office for making edits to a script <laughs> in a scene that touched my heart. And this touched your heart? <laughs> Can you explain it, Alexis? Like so he's been on the show, okay? <laughs> and the show is like pseudo about him, pseudo about Medina, but also about no one. However, some things have to ring true. Yeah. For example, it's about a kid from Philly. He's from Philadelphia. He's got to say things and act in a way that seems genuine to his friends and family and the entire audience watching back home in Philadelphia. And only he knows how to do that. OK, right. he was hired to fill that role. So he's making lateral edits to the um, 
script, someone gets mad and he gets called into an executive's office with um, one of his like team members and also JL. Okay, his manager who's down for anything. What happened, Alexis? So he's sitting in the office that um, the suit, I'm going to say the suit, the suit mm-hmm. is like, so what's going on? Who do you think you are? Can I just tell you, I've been in this room. Ooh. People with power will talk to you so greasy. Mm-hmm. And all you can do, all I can do is represent my God and my family well. And you leave that room sometimes um, feeling perhaps a little frustrated, not because you wish you would have went off on somebody, but just because there's only so much you're going to take and you have a decision to make. Are you going to stay in that opportunity where people be talking to you greasy, you know, getting spicy? Mm. Are you going to accept it for the goal or are you going to quit and move on and do something else? Well, Will is like, I'm going to represent my hometown. Okay, so the student is talking and saying stuff. And like Kari said, he's speaking a little greasy. He stand up. He stand over them. He's still talking greasy. So so Will and JL and their team member um, who is white, by the way, is are sitting on a couch and the suit and Medina's there and the suit is walking around them mm-hmm. in his grand office saying things like just as you got here as easy as you got here you can be replaced mm-hmm. or you can like lose your spot mm-hmm. that's threatening if you're from the wrong pl- like what do you mean what are you saying um I still think that was reckless but nonetheless <laughs> who who grabbed it <laughs> There well, was a, a like was a, a twenty pound snow globe. What on the snow desk. globes are twenty pounds, but probably five pound <laughs> snow globe picked a it up. Fifty pound snow globe was on the desk, and they was like, "Okay, what you want to do? You know, you make that eye contact with your homie, and you like yep. what we gonna do? Because this man is talking slick." Yep, Will and JL are looking at each other like, "Whatever you do, I got your back. I got you. I got you, homie." So Will stands up and said, what you want to do? Now, I can't say it the way he said it because I was raised differently. <laughs> so this is the thing. There are like two worlds here, right? Yeah. In one world, you can say anything to anybody. I've seen people scream at the top of their lungs saying the most disgusting things I've ever heard in my life just because they can, because they have the money and the power. But when you come face to face with someone from another world that is about that action there's only so far you can go with words i think you should stop talking so that's where you come up with the um you better be careful you can't say that to everybody okay because then you get run up you get done up (laughs) (laughs) so um (laughs) the associate with will is like whoa what's going on And so JL has that snow globe in his hand. Will is in the executive's face. The executive is holding his back. And he said, oh, oh, hold on there, Will. I think we got off on the wrong foot. And Will is like, you sit down when you talk to me. You sit down. Why are you hovering over me talking like this? And the executive is like, well, I just had back surgery. And I sit down. And so Will made the cripple man. Sit down. And then Benny Medina, who can balance both worlds, no doubt, was like, okay, we're done here. Everybody get out the room. (laughs) So they get into the parking lot, and the associate is like, what was that? (laughs) 
why did y'all threaten the executive? And Will is like, you saw how he was threatening me. And the associate is like, a 60-year-old man with back surgery was threatening you? And then Will's like, hmm. When you say it like that, I don't think it's going to hold up in court. But but you were there. It sounded like he was getting spicy. You know? So Medina comes out and he's like, I'm going to call Quincy. And Will's like, no. So Will calls Quincy. Yeah. And his uh, secretary's like, you know, I'm sorry. Quincy on the phone. Uh, can I have him call you back? And Will in his mind is like, no, I want him to hear my side of the story. Okay, fine. Yeah, that'll be fine. Thank you. <laughs> and so Quincy calls Will. And Will right away, instead of going hello, goes, I think I messed up. <laughs> <laughs> and Quincy's response is so real. Mm-hmm. It's okay. People scream at each other all the time. Just don't put your hands in nobody. And that's so true. Mm-hmm. But I don't even like screaming. So that's what I think about. And again, it's the two little two different worlds crashing. I'm in my mind. I'm like, seriously, you could say as much as you want to say, but these people aren't going to touch you. So for me, I felt like these. um, So you felt like Will was out of line. Oh, yes, indeed. Oh, yes. And I feel like but that's a good lesson for the executive to watch what you say and how you say to everyone, because you are part of a world that will only go so far. And truthfully, your world goes farther because you have litigation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) But these people who know nothing but um, not fear, Will explains it as fear. But it's more reactionary. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And just everyone speak to each other with dignity. I can think of three times when I um, let someone talk to me crazy for the sake of the opportunity. And I've always regretted it. I I can't even imagine that kind of behavior. And and. And it made me feel like I'm never going to do this again. And then you get the payout and you like, yay, the money. Uh, Is that feel and it's good just tainted. money? Yeah, that's not good money. All oh, money ain't good money. It's not. And and you get to a point where it's like, well, do I even need this much money? No, you I, I don't. I don't have debt. No. What do I need in life? I'm not going to let anybody talk to me crazy. Um, if you didn't I learn think, it. I hope not. Listen, don't let nobody talk to you like that. I mean, not in the workplace, not nowhere. No, it's Why just are not people worth screaming it. at work? This is a tangent. Mm-hmm. If you want me to second guess working with you ever again, please scream at me. No one in my life screams at me. I can't take my nervous system can't take it. It's not. <laughs> I have to leave the situation. It's not necessary. Then, you, know, you don't have not to necessary. talk to people like that. Mm-mm. And it just. Now, I can't listen. tell you last time I've been screamed at. It won't be from you. Mm-mm. So, Alexis. Oh. No, just, y'all should hear how she be talking Sorry. to me before the podcast. Edit these shows faster. <laughs> Sorry. And I I'm apologize on y'all air. I'm Sorry. <laughs> Okay. Yes, Alexis, I'm editing them as fast as I can. Okay, so y'all, let's move on. But this part is memorable. Mm-hmm. So, he promised JL an album, Will did. So uh, JL was like, I'm not really feeling this Hollywood television thing. I think you need to work on your music. This is what you do. And then Jazzy Jeff was like, yeah, I'm just going to stay in my mama's basement and um, mix records because that's what I do. And uh, Will was like, I'm not having it from either of you. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> today face, he was like, OK, great. This is Will. But in his mind and heart, he felt like I knew better and I'm going to make sure y'all don't miss this opportunity because you're thinking small. So he made Jazzy Jeff. He made sure Jazzy Jeff had a guest starring role that paid like 10,000 
a pop or more every time he starred in just one episode. And then he promised JL, I'll make an album, another album after a year of doing this. And he kept his word. So without the pressure to be successful in the music industry, they were having fun again. They were more focused. They weren't eating chicken and drinking rum. They were focused on what on their project and the creative juices were flowing. So they started um, incorporating even others creativity. They could like bring in different producers in the mix, including two producers from Chicago who handed Will a track called Untitled. So Will Smith is in the um, airport, exhausted, O'Hare in Chicago, listening to this track. And right away, he knew he had to get out of the airport, turn around and go back to the studio, no matter how exhausted he was. What was that track, Alexis? Summer, summer, summertime. 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 Yes. So, uh, of course, that (laughs) song is another Grammy and his first number one record. Mm -hmm. It's a classic. It'll always be a classic. Mm -hmm. Um, Back in the uh, acting studio, James Avery, the James Avery was like, "Okay, you're a singer, you're a rapper, whatever you do. That's great. But here, right here. You're an actor and you need to hone your craft. So he began working with him, helping him focus. And then there's an episode none of us will ever forget (laughs) when um, Will's dad comes on the Fresh Prince, right? His quote unquote Mm -hmm. dad, not his real dad, um, promises to take him away on this truck ride. I'm explaining it, but y'all all remember this. Um, So Will Smith's dad on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is a trekker and promises to take Will on the road with him. Will is so excited. He buys the statue of a son and a um, dad. And when he gets there, when he gets to the living room, his dad's already left and basically told Uncle Phil, you know, it's James Avery. I can't do it. Sorry. Bye. And Will goes into the best monologue of the show. Where he's saying things like, you know, he can't never tell me how to have no kids. Now he can tell me about a lot of my kids. Mm. How come he don't want me, man? Everybody loves that show, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. I was watching that the other day and I was like, wow, he can really act. (laughs) And that's the same thing James Avery said. So there's this feeling, right, that Will has where he needs to please people. And sometimes that works against him, but sometimes it works for him. So he saw in James Avery, a father figure, seriously saw him as a father. And so to win his approval brought all his acting chops out of him, out of his body. And he really poured himself into certain scenes of that show. Um, JL will later ask, Will, you know, you're doing this and it's going great, but what do you want? What do you want in life? What is your mission? Will leaned in and said, I want to be the biggest movie star in the world. JL said, now that's a goal. Mm. And from that point on, that was their mission. Now it's time for Will to meet Jada. But you're thinking, but Will's been married before Jada. You're right. (laughs) So the way Will tells it, he met Jada on the set of The Fresh Prince. She had been turned down because she was too short. And he was like, hey, yo, honey, some lame rhyme, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, okay, bye. (laughs) So (laughs) he met Cherie Zampino. And three months later, he was married to Cherie, not Jada. And soon they would have a son named Will Smith III. They called him Trey for short. Will was terrified. Would he do it right? Could he be a good father? 
And this is where you start asking, but were you a good husband? (laughs) Because he saw his wife as the perfect quote unquote wife. She was beautiful. She was hospitable. She was someone to show off. She was someone he could rely on in certain situations, an artist, a great host. Um, But their marriage began unraveling after he did a movie called Six Degrees of Separation and he fell into method acting. He really became that character in real life. There was no separation between him and the character he was playing. And he also fell in love with his co-star. So he's gone a lot. He's fallen in love with a woman who is not reciprocating that attention. And meanwhile, he has a new wife and a son back home. Um, the breaking point was when he like hired a barber to cut his hair, told the barber he would pay him double, but he had to pick up the cash from his wife. Then a few weeks later, he calls the same barber and the barber's man is like, that's messed up what you did. Basically, don't call me again. Hangs up. Will calls his wife and his wife was like, I gave him what I had. It wasn't what you promised, but it was all I had. Will saw this as an inability to rely on her, period. She was useless. <laughs> she was useless. He told her, basically. Mm-hmm. That's what he told um, her. You're useless. Yeah. I hope one day you become valuable to somebody. Something like that. It was really low down. And whatever he said, she felt like that was the worst thing anyone's ever told her. So mm-hmm. eventually she goes back to her parents' house just for a beat. And he meets up with Tisha Campbell and Wayne Martin. And Jada Pinkett for drinks. So Tisha, he says, knew that him and his wife were on the rocks. And he want, she wanted to make sure that if he was looking for love again, it wouldn't be with anyone except Jada. He's still married with like a kid. Anyway, he was served divorce papers on February 14th. So Will sees a successful marriage as proof of his success in life. For him to be divorced means he's he's failed at life, at being a man, the whole purpose of him. However, like we said, he served divorce papers February 14th and he calls Jada just a few days later, asks if she's seeing anyone. She responds, no. He goes, "Okay, you're seeing me now. And she goes, "Okay." She had just bought an East Coast house. She would never live in. He didn't even know she bought it. He didn't ask her what was going on in her life. And she didn't supply that information. Uh, And she obviously wanted to be with him. He wanted to be with her. He signed his divorce papers and they got together. Um, So their goal from this point on was to have a blended family. She wanted Trey to feel loved uh, by not just his mom, but his bonus mom. Um, And so they... They seem to have really worked at this, to have this relationship where Trey wasn't separate from the family um, and Will Smith was still, you know, a permanent fixture in his life. Now onto the mission of becoming the biggest movie star in the world. He is still getting out of the hole when he starts hitting it big in the box office. So remember he had that problem with the IRS What scared me is as he's starting to make it big, he is just breaking even. Mm -hmm. And so he's no longer broke or he's he's broke now. He's no longer in the hole Mm -hmm. uh, in debt to the government. Oof, that's scary, scary, scary. Um, But he starts having these back to back hits. Right. Um, What are a few of them? So, of course, he did Six Degrees of Separation. That got him seen as a true actor. Bad Boys. Oh, Bad Boys. Mm -hmm. 
And then I'm going to guess. Independence um, Day. Okay. And that, of course, was huge. And he starts to really study the movies that are the top 10 biggest movies of all time. And of course, they all have a love story, but they also have amazing special effects. And a lot of them have aliens. So he's like, in order to reach this goal of becoming the biggest movie star in the world, these are the type of scripts I have to pick. And I have to make sure I'm getting paid than the biggest act, more than the biggest actors out there. Um, so he starts really uh, climbing up that ladder toward that ultimate goal. His ex and his son, Trey, step away from the spotlight as he's begin getting bigger. So he sees that he's reaching his life goals, but the people around him are like uh, shrinking away. <laughs> and he compares it to like Icarus, like he's flying too close to the sun and the people around him are the wings and they're the ones melting off. Of course, without his wings, Icarus, what dies? That's right. He fails. Uh, so he needs those wings um, in a therapy session with Jada. That was so poignant. The therapist asked Will and Jada each to write down their priorities. Coincidentally, they each write down four. Do you remember Jada's priorities in order? No, I remember Will's. Okay. No problem. Yeah. So I'll give you Jada's. Jada's was the children. At this time, I think they had both kids, mm -hmm. uh, Willow and um, Jaden. Jaden. Um, so the children. Number two, her husband, Will. Number three, I think, is her. Mm -hmm. No, she was, I thought she was last on the list. I think she's three. Okay. But but either way, she's not one or two. No. It goes her children, her husband, and then uh, her and her family, the rest of her family and friends. And then what was Will's list? Will's was him, mm -hmm. Jada, the children, and then his career. So she looks at the list and she just starts crying and he's like, what? <laughs> and for real, that's his attitude. Like, what? What's wrong with you? And she's like, I can't believe you put our children third. And he didn't get it. He was like, if I'm successful and I'm worrying about me, y'all eat. Y'all are taken care of. It is my business to put myself first so that y'all can benefit. It's like being in an airplane and the mask drop down for oxygen. You got to put your oxygen on first for you can help other people. That's life. I believe it. He is serious. <laughs> you I <what>? believe him. <laughs> uh, I understand. Oh, Siri does not understand. <laughs> Siri, go back to the AI episode. That was a few weeks ago. Okay. That's Clara in the song. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so now we see the cracks here in Will's plan and how everything He's succeeding career wise, but the people in his life, his personal life is starting to tank. Um, he eventually is like sharing custody of his son with his ex-wife because she very reasonably is like, I want him to have a regular life. I want him to be in school and being with you. All you care about is like helping him succeed career wise. But he's a child. <laughs> Like, and he needs structure. You letting him stay up all night and all you care about is if he gets his errands done. Okay, but he needs structure as a child. So um, he has this meeting with Ali for the movie Ali. Um, and he has an interesting line here. He said, there's some people you want to meet and their conviction to their purpose in life makes you want to serve them. Did you catch that? No. I thought that was interesting. It makes you want to serve them. Um, he falls in love, of course, with Ali, Ali's family. 
um, there's a section where he's training for the movie and the trainer that he meets becomes a permanent fixture in his team for over 10 years because he follows this philosophy where everyone around you has to train just like you. Um, and he has a saying how you fight or you fight how you train. And I, I do love that because it means that all these little habits that you pick up on a daily basis, that's what's going to kick in when your instinct needs to kick in. So you have to make sure that these little habits you're developing serve your interests. Mm -hmm. You know, these um, practices that you have in your life, you want to make sure that you get them inside of your body. So when you need to recall them uh, without thinking that they're at your disposal, you either do your best all the time or you don't. So you do your best in everything you do or you don't do well at anything. Mm. <laughs> That's the idea. Um, one day on set while shooting Ali, there's like a drizzle. Of, so there are three teams. I want to explain this well on the set. You have the black Americans, um, including Will Smith, Jamie Foxx, legends. OK, Van Peebles, right? The son okay, yeah. who's playing Michael Max in that movie. Um, then you have the uh, white crew from South Africa. Mm -hmm. And then you have um, the people, the citizens from Mozambique where they're shooting. Now, the black people from Mozambique and the black Americans form like this bond right away. They're working together. They're spending time together. But there's racial animosity with the white South Africans. Well, one day a white South African team member is cleaning the toilets and there's a drizzle of urine, he says, on the seat. He goes and finds the black um, kid who did it from Mozambique and rubs his head on the toilet seat. Mm, OK, mm, mm. this cause causes an uproar throughout the team. And whose movie is it? Like Michael Mann's yep. or something? I don't really yep. know that director. Michael. OK, oh, really? so he wow. has. Okay. <laughs> he has Will's back and uh, Will is like, your, your guy has to go home. Well, the leader of the South African crew, the white South African crew is like, if he goes home, we all go home. And Will is like, this moment is what Ali is all about because Ali stood up for his um, conviction, despite the entire country being against him. I'm not going to let something like this go down on a movie set about Ali's life. So you go home and anyone who wants to go with you can go home. Mm -hmm. And that was a lesson. Um, another lesson he picked up, be willing to make the sacrifice for the, for the greater purpose. Um, he says, so that guy did go and about a fourth of his team left and Michael Mann and Will Smith split the cost down the middle and finished the movie on time. I think, right. well, anyway, um, He's killing it in his career, Will Smith is. He really has years of back-to-back -back successful movies. But there's a stretch of about 45 days where Jada Pinkett Smith cries nonstop. And Will says she had killed part of herself for their marriage. <laughs> Wicked Wisdom was a band she had. You guys might remember that. And that helped her to find, according to him, um, parts, those parts of herself and to breathe life into them. I thought that was very telling. Um, he also describes a scene where he beats his wife at Monopoly and she goes to bed. <laughs> She's like, do you really <laughs> want to take me out of this game? This is like family time and they never get family time. So it's just Will, Jada and their children. And he all he can think of is winning. So he wins. She goes to bed and he's there with the kids. 
Like, I won. And everyone's <laughs> like, you completely missed the point of family time. Um, and then he shoots The Pursuit of Happiness. This is a movie where his son auditioned, um, trying to fill an internal emotional hole within himself. Uh, Will is constantly looking for external material achievements. So he's like, my son was in my movie with me. The more he got, the more Will wanted. And he really had no time to enjoy what he had. Um, then we remember, I went my hair back and forth. Remember that yeah. sign still goes. Mm-hmm. It's still cute. <laughs> it's still, it's cute. still cute. Well, <laughs> Willow hopped off stage, opening for Justin Bieber. She was like, this was great. Okay, come on, everybody. Let's go home. <laughs> I'm done. And um, Will is like, no, Willow, you have a, you know, contracts that need to be signed and you're going to continue on tour. And you did so well for Justin Bieber that you're going to continue for weeks and weeks and weeks. And bye bye, childhood. You're an international pop star now. And she was like, that's OK. I'm going home. <laughs> and he's like, no, you don't get it. And she's like, but daddy, I'm done. Doesn't it matter to you that I'm done? Well, it didn't. So they get home. And um, now what's her song called, Alexis? With my hair back and forth. And she walks into the kitchen bald. Yeah. So as a child, she had shaved her head off. Where must she be mentally to take this step as a little mm-hmm. girl? He says in that moment, he got it. He got it. And he told her, I am so sorry, honey. By saying it doesn't matter to you, daddy, what she was really asking was, do my feelings not matter to you? Will says that in this moment, Willow helped him to discover feelings. He never acted with concern about other people's feelings until this point. It was a brand new concept for him because his idea is that if you're successful and I'm helping you be successful, your feelings will catch up. Mm-hmm. He calls this period after his little girl shaved her head, the beginning of the mutiny. <laughs> Do you understand what a mutiny is? Not you, Alexis. <laughs> not you, not. Um, he saw this as the beginning of everyone on his ship turning against him, rejecting his leadership. Willow, Willow seems to be um, pulling these uh, light bulb moments out of him. She's sitting at the table with her parents and her brother. And she says, it's so sad, mommy. And everyone's like, what's that, Willow? Daddy has a picture of a perfect family in his mind and it's not us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Dang. So he starts trying to interact with his children based not just on their success, their outward success, but on their feelings. This is the first time. And then he received the two most profound questions he's ever received in his life. And throughout the book, there is something scratching at the back of my mind about Will Smith, something that is making me uneasy, um, sad a little. uh, Not that I pity him at all or that he would even want me to pity him, but something about the sum of his life is filling me with sadness until this point. And his son, Trey, hits it on the head. Do you remember what Trey asked his father? Oh, um, who do you worship? Dad, who do you worship? Will is very flippant with him. He's the child, which Trey's the child. 
He said, Trey, look at your Bible. It's brand new. Mine's been read front to cover. You know, we can get to the through the mythology of religion if you want, if you can handle it. <laughs> That's just the way he words it. If you can handle it, if you can go there, you know, read your Bible a little more before you start coming to me. Okay, dad, but what do you worship? I worship God. And then what does his son ask him? Do you really? It, are you sure? Are you sure? sure? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brilliant. Children have this way of cutting through the fat and getting to the point. Mm-hmm. And at this point, Trey might be, you know, 18. I don't know. But he's still a child. Right. He's still his father's child. Right. And he's asking him, who do you worship and are you sure? Because you can give whatever answer you want. But what does your life show? These are the two greatest questions Will's ever been asked, he says. Around this time, also, he's shooting After Earth, a movie that failed miserably. The critics blame the kid, it seems. And that kid is Jaden. Jaden, who followed his father's direction who um, in the beginning, like for the pursuit of happiness, Will was like a drill sergeant with uh, Jaden, making sure he did this, staying here, do that. No, you have to suffer because suffer leads to success and, you know, being hard on him. Well, trying to lead with feelings for, um, is it before Earth or after Earth? After After. Earth. After Earth, Will was serving as like the protector of his son. He went to make sure his son was comfortable. Okay, son, but do this, do that. I got your back. Whatever you don't want to do, I'm here for you. Then there was like the karate kid. And, you know, he he tried to make sure he was leading his children to a successful path career-wise while being their backup, being their bulldog. And to do all that and to still see that his child fail. And then Jaden asked was like contemplating emancipation from his parents and all of it together just felt like a failure as a father. So this is a really low point where will for will, where he starts questioning, um, have I fulfilled my purpose in life? Because if my purpose is to be a protector and provider for my family and they're miserable with me, what am I doing? Mm. However, uh, I don't see him making a 180. (laughs) Which, I mean, whoever makes a 180, that's tremendously hard to do. Um, Will and Jada split for a time because Jada's like, (laughs) okay, (laughs) listen, let's talk (laughs) frankly, you and I, Alexis. (laughs) Will Smith organized. Now, what was Jada doing when they first got together back when he was getting divorced from his first wife? She was about to, she just brought a farm. And um, yeah, she was about to. The East Coast. She had quit Mm -hmm, acting. And she was about mm-hmm. to live on a farm in peace. A quiet life in peace. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fast forward years later, she's married to Will Smith. He knows this about her. He knows who she is. And he plans the most lavish ceremony for her birthday where he found the family that used to own her family. He shot a documentary finding not for her and him and their family, but for, let's say, 100 friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And he's like, look, everyone, what I did. This is a documentary about my my wife's life, her family. I found where her uh, great grandparents got married in Jamaica. And I found the family that used to own them in America. And here's a member of that family apologizing. And then he has a a white gentleman on camera like, sorry about the misunderstanding. And then the crowd literally, y'all, this is for real. And then the um. 
projector, the screen goes up, and who's standing there ready to sing? Mary J. The Mary J. Blige. Mary J. There are like three scenes to this birthday party where you go in one room and there's a scene and then you walk through a flower tunnel and there's another scene and it ends with a grand finale, a concert by Mary J. Blige. Everyone is at attention like, yes, Will, you're amazing. Whose party is this? Who's this supposed to be for? Jada. Jada Pinkett Smith is sitting there quiet. They go back to the hotel room and she goes, whatever you have planned for tomorrow, please cancel it. I just want to um, be with my family. You want to be quiet. I'm like, sit, sit still and be quiet. <laughs> and he said, I had enough. I cannot make you happy. She says, that was the most disgusting display of ego I've ever seen. He says, you're ungrateful. I don't want to do anything for you. He then goes on to say, I retire from trying to make you happy. You need to go make yourself happy and prove to me that it's even possible. In the book, he says here to place the responsibility for your happiness on anyone other than yourself is a recipe for misery. I would like to add a note here. This is a bit frustrating for me, this period, because there is truth in it, right? We can't trust someone else to make us happy. Okay, so after Will and Jada split, who's the first person he calls? His ex-girlfriend. From years and years and years ago. And he wants to go away on a vacation with her? No, with her husband. (laughs) Yep, and it's like Thanksgiving Day. And she's like, you can't take him away from the family. He's like, y'all can eat and we'll go later that day. I want him to take me to Trinidad where he's from. Mm Mm-hmm. And there Will discovers the uh, beauty of nature. (laughs) He comes back and finds some therapists that help him learn how to swim, gets to the heart of what he really wants in life. He engages in ritual ceremonies involving um, likely some hallucinogens. And that helps him um, feel like he is getting to the root of his issues and weeding them out. Now, I won't go into detail about that because that's his journey and his choice. Um, but we end with him um, doing a form of skydiving that inju- involves jumping out of a helicopter with all his family watching. The end. <laughs> Why don't we take a quick break? Okay. <laughs> Alexis, what did you think of Will by Will Smith? And would you recommend this book? Child, that was a lot. Um, so I, I, I can't rate somebody's personal experience. So what I, yep. um, I enjoyed hearing his story and the um, anecdotes he had and, um, I love self-help books. As you know, I love self-help book. And so this book has... A, <sighs> ooh, that's so rude. This book has a, a, a lot of those pieces in it that I enjoy where you um, 
tell a story and what you learn from the story. So I I enjoyed those piece of pieces of, anecdotes. Mm-hmm, those pieces of his uh, story. Yeah, there there are some very interesting journeys that he went on throughout his life, but um, that truly reveal his character. Um, what I recommended though, I mean, I feel like. <laughs> The language was so strong unnecessarily. I was hoping to get that piece where he's not, um, where he used his words, but he did not use his words. Like his grandmama <laughs> told him. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if I would recommend it, but if you like those type of uh, anecdotes or kind of self-help books, there's pieces of that in there that um, one might appreciate, but I, I wouldn't recommend the book. Um, for the for for the strong language piece of it. So, Kari, um, what were your thoughts, and would you recommend this book? Um, I was exhausted after reading this Ooh, book, wow. and I felt from beginning to end it was about me, me, me. And he he it's an autobiography. Um, addresses his. <laughs> mm, however, our lives are made up with not just us, mm-hmm. right? And to see every uh, thing you go through in the lens of how does what lesson does it teach me and how does it make me feel on the surface seems like of course we're us it's an autobiography i'm going to go through this situation in life and in my book talk about me however is that what an autobiography is um when yes. i think about the um the autobiography of malcolm x um told through his words he is very Um, inclined to look at himself through the eyes of others and not just through other people, but through other systems. That introspective lens I felt was missing from this. And while um, Will is very uh, naked and open about some things, um, what he perceives as his his weaknesses and his um, soft spots, to me, he was very obtuse when it came to the overall sum of what all these lessons mean together. Um, I'm just going to throw Mariah Carey. She did not give us the full scope of her either. He And she withheld a lot. And, and I loved it. Exactly. Okay. So this is this man is telling his story mm-hmm. about his mm-hmm. life and how he was impacted because people want to know about that. Someone told me after listening to that Mariah Carey episode, you gave her a lot of you leeway. You gave her a lot um, of listen, leeway. I love her. But though. you don't love him. And so it's showing but in I your do. story. I and do. No. I, I enjoy his art. I do. No, you're also the same this person me... that is just Will Smith acting. Will Smith. You have said that to me on more than one occasion. So he you are showing. It. Okay, this is a good point. Showing. This is a great point. Your body. So I'm just going to. So you guys don't know this, but Alexis always has to defend the man. <laughs> and so this is on this brand. Is true but listen, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to take a point in the book where he says, I'm not the greatest actor, but I'm going to outwork anyone, mm-hmm. you know. OK, I love that because you're saying you have all the tools you need to succeed as long as you're willing to work hard for them. And in a lot of ways, that's not true. But in a lot of ways, it is right. Uh, you play with the hand you're dealt, but you play that mm-hmm. hand. And you make some effort, right? But he goes on to coach his son in a way that you think he was Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> Get that boy an acting teacher. That came from... You done already told us that ain't you. That came from the 
the push of his father. That's what that came from. Yeah. There's, and he provided that full circle. So this is, is why I am the way I and am. And he's given that same thing to his son. That's why he could call himself on it. Yeah. Well, you know what? Fine. But nobody better not never say nothing about Jada. I thought this was going to be another book telling us all about Will and Jada's business. It's more than that. However, I saw in Jada a woman who has sacrificed past the point of even recognizing herself in the mirror all for the greater goal of preserving her family. And another thing that frustrates me is that people complain about marriage as an institution while not trying to be really married. <laughs> you know what I mean? Either be married or don't. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if you going to be married, be married. Don't be married doing whatever you want to do and then complain about that's marriage. Not, that's not marriage now, is it? That, that you ain't married. That's not marriage now, is it? Okay. And I get you don't want to um, divorce because you see that as failure. I, I can get that in a way. But then w- what are you doing to really be married outside of the title? Anyway, listen, th- when he told her, when she said, when she said that was the most disgusting display of ego I've ever seen, I was 100% with her. You are acting in a way th- that shows me, you know, nothing or care nothing about who I really am. I agree with you there. It's all for you. I agree with you there. And toward the end of the book, I'm like, your whole family is watching you in a death defying act. Why is this happening? Mm-hmm. Why is this book ending with you pushing yourself to the physical limits? There is bravery and humility and self-sacrificing. There's bravery in putting other people first, but there's happiness in that. And I feel like Will's way of living, his philosophy does not lead to happiness because everyone around you will be miserable. (laughs) So how can you be around miserable people and be happy? Wait, wait, wait. So let's think about the. I'm I'm just going to jump to this. He called his ex after him and his wife got in the fight and not his ex-wife. He called a girl he had known years ago that he was still in contact with. Why is this happening? And took her husband on a day when they planned to spend their family time together. This is okay to you, Will? What's going on, Will? What's going on? Okay, now, you know, there are timelines in here that are not exactly very clear. So it's not necessary. This one was. I, I don't believe he said after we broke, we separated and she was to go find her. The next day I did this. I don't think that was oh, the Oh, but take. he does. He says, why is it that the first person we call when things are going bad in our relationship is our ex? That's what he said. It did not imply that he <laughs> did that the very next day. The first person. Okay, a week later. Whatever. Okay. That's worse. But my point <laughs> to that is. I said, well, we don't all do that. <laughs> okay? We don't all do that. <laughs> we don't all do that. <laughs> some, some people do. That's what some people do. So, but okay. But if so, if you're to call him a narcissist, you're saying he's not learning all, from his any of his experiences. Ah, uh, thank you. Yes, that's what I'm saying. All right, what are we reading next week? I'm just <laughs> I know you're going to get the man's point across. And that's a different way of communicating. 
Um, I can't compare Mariah Carey, who is just, you know, she's so brilliant. She's taught me so many oh. words. Her vocabulary is huge. Oh. You guys, she writes her own songs. Okay. I can't compare her to you Will cannot. Smith. Okay. And I'm not going to. I should stop that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she's great, though. Um, And so for I didn't think he needed to dwell into Jada's life. At this point in this book, I said Jada should write her own book. But I don't think I was missing any of that. I don't think I needed to include those aspects in the story. That's not what I mean. I don't I'm not actually a huge fan of autobiographies telling other people's Mm -hmm. business. But step outside of yourself and just imagine what that must have been like for the people in your life to have to live with whatever action you chose to make. So you have said, go uh, listen to this Mm -hmm. quote. You need to go make yourself happy and prove to me that it's even possible. Do you understand what I'm saying? That, okay, I'm not behind that statement. Not only are you sending me away for not being down for this egocentric party you pretended to throw for me, but you're telling me that I'm someone no one can make happy. So you're retiring it from doing from even trying. And then I need to go make myself happy to prove to you that it's possible to make me happy. <laughs> That's insane. Okay, okay, OK, OK. But listen, Jada was not happy and she did need to find those things out. That ain't wrong. It's not wrong. You're just going to defend the man to the... It, Listen, it is wrong. What he said it is, is wrong she didn't to that. say anything except this was for you and it did not reflect your personality. I am the cause of that and I am sorry. What do you want to do? Let me know. I mean, that would have been she, nice. You, is she really that hard to make happy? All she want to do is sit down <laughs> with her family. You can't do that. And he, he can't. can't. He couldn't he sit couldn't. down. And he learned that. He couldn't even play Monopoly. He learned that. He learned that when he went out and took the other woman's husband. <laughs> and he couldn't be <laughs> to Trinidad. Trinidad. He couldn't be by himself. He said, this is crackhead behavior. How come I can't sit down? <laughs> so, yeah, okay. He so learned he it about did. himself. But he could have learned it there with Jada. He, he would have listened and he wouldn't have. He wouldn't have heard it because okay. he needed to have that experience. I guess that's where the narcissism come in. Because he needed to have that experience himself to learn it. He came. And who was with him when he learned that lesson? He was by himself. This is the point. <laughs> this is the point I'm trying to make. There are so many lessons you can learn through empathy. Where is that empathy? This woman that you are married to ain't never been about the show. Do all of this extra stuff on but your time for that. a party you throw for yourself. She knew that when she married him. Come on now. You always, you terrible. <laughs> you know, we ain't going to get nowhere. And it's the last show of the season. <laughs> I take it you wouldn't. So let's just be done with this. My final okay. verdict. Oh, I don't know. It's tricky because I don't agree with his philosophies. And I, for, for a lot of them, I do love the idea that through action, there is so much you can accomplish. Don't be a victim of your circumstances. I love that. I love that thinking. And there is happiness to be had. Okay, you show me that, Alexis. And what episode was that? (laughs) I don't remember. (laughs) Happiness. Whatever happens to you in life, you can choose happiness. Mm -hmm. 
and do all you can to reach it without being a narcissist. Okay. <laughs> um, so you can do that through giving. He learned that through Gigi, his mm-hmm. grandma, by looking out for others, by showing love, humility, by being moldable to the right influences. You can be successful and happy. I love that lesson. I'm just not sure Will learned it. And free Jada. <laughs> All I want to know is why is the internet mad at Jada? And if y'all got a reason, if y'all know something about their business, don't tell me. I don't okay. want to know. I was All getting ready to tell you. All I want to think, <laughs> think is that the woman is innocent. Oh. And we all need to rally around Jada. Okay? I'm not falling for that. Because it's okay, exhausting. Though. It's got to be exhausting being married to Will. So, yeah, those things are those things are all probably very true. It's exhausting being married to Will. But um, she married him. Shoot. That's that's that. Well, that was our season <laughs> final. Thank you for listening to Lit Society's Second season. We appreciate you readers. Continue following us on social media, listening to our show. That's right. Next week, we have a bonus episode coming for you on Tuesday. We're going to review Passing, the new movie on Netflix. Have you watched that, Alexis? I have. So we're going to get into it on Tuesday. That's November 23rd. And then we're going to discuss our favorite dramatic readings. And I love our dramatic readings because that's like the cheesy thing we do on our show. Cheesy. Boy, oh boy. We're not worried about y'all talking about us. So uh, that's coming up, too. And then we're going to revisit some of our favorite episodes. So we're going to have fun until the third season starts in January. So stay tuned every week. Same as before. Every Thursday. We still here. Okay. That sounds good. If you enjoyed what you just heard, tell a friend about Lit Society. Visit LitSocietyPod.com for show notes. Visit LitSocietyPodShop.com to shop our custom-made candles and merchandise. And until we see you Tuesday and Thursday next week, read something, read something.